0: Well, hello, and welcome back to another scary edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I've got some scary, scary stuff for you today, my little ghouls and guys. (laughs) Well, I hope you're having a great week there, guys. Hope, uh, having a great scary time. Hope you've been watching some scary movies or watching some paranormal shit. Doing something scary. But Halloween's around the corner, guys, so can't wait. So, but yeah, guys, I am back. This is Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, baby. Stephen Booth here to tell you some good old stories and I just want to say thank you to everybody on the YouTube channel who's listening right now and on the other and on the other uh, podcast uh, platforms I have. just uh thank you for uh subscribing and downloading and following me man. My numbers are growing. we're getting close to a hundred on Spotify and my other platforms. Like I said, though, my goal is 500. I want 500 followers, guys. Come on, we can do it. And about 10,000 downloads. I think we can do it. I think we can. I know we can because you guys are awesome. I think I do a pretty decent job. But I just want to say thank you. The numbers are growing. And I don't care if they're growing small. At least they're growing. That's what I'm liking. So thank you once again. And uh, yes, 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 yes. I was going to say something else, but I had a brain fart and forgot it. But let's get in with the stories, I guess. So, sit back. Relax. Get you a cup of coffee. A hot cup of cocoa. Get you a nice blanket. Snuggle up by the fire. And let's get down to some stories from Stephen (laughs) LaBeouf. Okay... Okay, our first story is about the rock. The rock run old commissary in Cherokee in uh, okay, let me start this all over again. Cherokee County is dotted with communities in the remnants of once uh, bustling towns. Many of which today only reside in memories and if you want to go to uh look at the pictures of this place go to uh kelly kozak uh at al.com go there and you can uh see the pictures of this place it's a pretty cool little ghost town check it out though okay today we would take a look at what's left of the mining town of rock run Rock Run is a residential commu- community where a pocket of residents lived in w- in, a, in well-kept homes. But in the 1800s, it was a town that grew around the uh, Rock Run mine and uh, furnace. According to a 2000, 2004 history report in the uh, Calhoun Times, an iron... F- okay... An iron foundry was uh, destroyed by the Union Army during the Civil War, but it was rebuilt around 1879. The post office established uh, in 1883 first was uh, called Bass, probably after the operator of the uh, fudgery. In the uh, 1890s, the commissary shown above. It still stands today in the town. The commissary, that's where they'd go get their general goods and all that stuff. Two legends surround the naming of Rock One. One says it's a reference to the mining of iron ore, while another claims two boys toppled a boulder down a hill, causing it to crush into town. As they they yelled, run, Rock, run, run, Rock. Uh, the Run Rock Baptist Church, also shown here, was built on the site of the former church across from the uh, commissary. The Rock Run mine and furnace flourished until the 1920s. The article said that today the uh, 1890s commons- commissary sits vacant across from the street from the Red from the Rock Run Baptist Church. That was built on the site of the original place next to the uh, commissary. It is the home that once... Oh, and another home sitting by the commentary, common, commissary is the home of the uh, that belonged to one of the mine superintendents, J.M. Carvin. And he's got his uh, cemetery there with his uh, old John Hancock on it. He signed his grave. Sorry, my head's itching. I got a little sun this weekend, man. I'm gonna see getting little sunspots like an old man. I'm just kidding. Look like a Mr. Burns. Okay, well that is it for the rock run place, and of course the normal sightings they see there are like, they hear they will hear footsteps in the commissary, footsteps and voices in the church. And in town, they they will hear stuff. So, the town, you know, even though it didn't last that long, but still, the you know, people that was there living and had a life there and had a routine, you know, so they're probably their spirits still probably stuck there in the place. Well, guys, I say let's take a quick break, and we will be right back you ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then if so, Come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am my your father. co-host, Stephen Booth Hafaja. And if you're into UFOs, unsolved, urban murders, le- unsolved, murders, unsolved murders, mysteries, mysteries uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends, we're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you're uh, need to listen to "What's, What's really, really Out there? there." And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are pretty much on every platform. Mm-hmm. We have a YouTube channel too, channel. So go check that out. It's called "What's Really Out There." So come check us out. Once again, I'm your co-host, Stephen Booth. And I'm your host, Stephanie Booth. And this is What's
1: What's Really really Out There.
0: There. We'll see you at the next episode, guys. Hope you like that little commercial. Steph hates that commercial. She wants to do another one. (laughs) Our next story is the Hudson House in Ashland, Alabama. There are several Hudson houses located in the United States. However, little is known about this one located in Ashland, Alabama. It is believed that the little old house, settled in the middle of no, out in the middle of nowhere, may have been built in the uh, early eighteen uh, the early nineteen hundreds. But records have not been found to prove this. There is a story of the house being a brothel at one time. And a wayward uh, wayward, uh, politicians drove out to have a little adult fun there, if you know what I mean. Basically, that's where all the men went to have fun, if you know what I mean there. They went to play Twister with other women. Yeah. (coughs) There's no evidence to support this either, so for now, I'll leave it to uh, be a work of a fiction or you know it's not true. could it have been the home of a uh, of a singular family line? Generations called it home until it became vacant and abandoned up uh in a, a ba- uh, it became vacant and boarded up, possibly because of the little known history and the numerous alleged accounts the little house is in, is on the uh, paranormal radar some days if you walk around the house you can hear voices or screams and footsteps sometimes even a dog panting or growling faces face the front of the house and you feel a tap on your shoulder by an unseen hand. The front door opens and closes on its own. That's pretty cool. You ain't gotta get up to answer the fucking door. You can just be like, "Hey, ghost, could you get that, please?" Uh, the front door. Okay. It wasn't enough to get you. Uh, if that wasn't enough to get you rattled, there was even a uh, flat, a frisky dark figure who enjoys running back and forth across the roof. Stop! God damn it, I swear! All right, guys, uh, sorry about that. I had to kick the dogs out of the studio. They started barking. Any, anyway, you can see a fresh, uh, friskly dark figure who enjoys running across the rooftops from side to side. The Hudson House is haunted by multiple ent- uh, entities, those who have visited, it says, however, it's not recommended you go there and find out by yourself because it sits on private property and there's no tresp- trespassing signs everywhere. That's just crazy. Why would you just abandon a big mansion? You don't think someone would have bought it? I would buy that creepy motherfucker in a minute. Here's some more stuff about it. It's an old abandoned house set in the middle of nowhere, and it's said to be haunted by lots of ghosts. When you walk around the house, you can hear voices, footsteps. I've already said that. i heard about the dogs. Okay, and there is even a creepy dark figure. Okay, I already know that. Okay, one of the members uh, talked with a guy that used to live there, and he had told told him that the front door... Uh, will open and shut by itself. And it always scrubs the floor when you open it. You know, it always, you know, sweeps it. Uh, Where was I? He said at night when him and his family were lying in bed that you could hear the front door scrubbing the floor and opening and shutting. And when he got up out of bed and ran in there, the door would shut and it'd still be locked. And it was closed very tight, so he and he also heard strange noises through their whole time there, so apparently people did live there, and they just got tired of it and said, "Fuck it!" Well, that makes sense though, if it was a old mansion that's been in the family like that for years, oh, I'd love to own a place like that. The history there, man, it'd be crazy. I'd love to live in a haunted house, but I'd probably pee my pants. All right. Well, our next story is the Bel- the Belmont Mansion. Also known back in the day as the Belmont Plantation. The Belmont was the Belmont. The Belmont was built in 1828 for a physician from Louisiana County, Virginia Drive or Virginia. Doctor Alexander Williams Mitchell, Doctor Mitchell and his family of seven were already living in the uh, Belmont when it was fully completed in 1832. Owning 1,680 acres of cotton and cornfields, Dr. Mitchell became known as one of the largest planters in the area before he quickly sold the mansion and the surrounding land in one year after his uh, completion. Well, that's weird. Why would you build a big old house like in the area like that and then sell it? Maybe the money was too good. Maybe it was built on Indian land. However, while living in the Beaumont and planting the uh, surrounding acreage, Dr. Mitchell housed 152 slaves and 13 cabins on the property. The area of the property can be accessed from the uh, master bedroom through a large door with a window that leads directly to the uh, court area which is where the uh, detached, uh, detached kitchen would have been. Except, would have been as well. The Mitchell family uh, sold Belmont and thirty-three of these uh, surrounding acres of their. Oh. Okay, never mind. Here we go. The Mitchell family sold Belmont and thirty-three of the surrounding acres. To their friends Isaac and Catherine Baker Baker Jones Winston, who are also from Virginia, in 1833, Mister Winston was a cousin of Dolly Madison, Patrick Henry, and Isaac Cole. He was a uh, personal friend and secretary of President Thomas Jefferson. Although actually, the designer of the Belmont is uh, who who the designer of the Belmont is, is a mystery. The particular relationship provides a uh, clue about the original design, or at least the influences. The influences. The source of Belmont's uh, design is a shroud and mystery, but tantalized clues suggest direct influence of President Thomas Jefferson and uh, some other fellas. It is possible that Dr. Mitchell built Belmont in that style two years after Jefferson's death to characterize of Jefferson's uh classmen's and exceeded at a uh, Belmont that didn't make any fucking sense, including finally executed brickwork with contrasting woodwork and a hilltops uh, setting Setting, Belmont also illustrates Jefferson's reference for the natural beauty in the elements all around uh, you and kind of they think it minor me uh, he was trying to remind him of uh, Italy which how could you make Alabama look like Italy sorry if I'm butchering this up guys I'm not meaning to The Winston family maintained ownership and contained living in the Belmont through the Civil War and until around 1940, as this time, the family decided to move to a different location but uh, continued to hold Thanksgiving and Christmas celebrations at the mansion. Gradually, the family gatherings became less frequent and until the home was uh, completely uh, abandoned. The (sighs) The uh why did people abandon the home was the largest cause of its uh deterioration in the uh validation of the place. Well think about it, no one was there to keep the upkeep. During the nineteen sixties, uh Star Cross lovers camped inside the rotting mansion in the woods and the home was long been the site of uh drinking drinking parties with the teens and stuff like that. In 1983, concerned about the condition of the house, members of the uh, Winston family donated Belmont and 33 of the surrounding acres to the Ab- Alabama Historical Society. And then they took it over. As they're, as they're, as there is not formally a cemetery for these slaves, it is likely that they were buried on some parts of the estate. Visitors to the mansion have reported seeing dark, shadowy figures walking in the fields and have heard sounds of chains rattling near the houses. Well, that would make sense because, number one, they had a shitty life. You know, they were forced into slavery, beaten to death all the time, and then uh, back, get back up and do the same thing, so... When they died, you know, it was real disrespectful. They'd just bury them, even if they did that. So they probably didn't get pre- proper, p- proper, proper burials like a human being should get. So that's why the place is really haunted. The Belmont uh, Mansion in Alabama was built. Okay, already got that. It was, uh already got the acreage. Well... It says right here, well, which one did I just read? Okay, well, anyways, it says right here, it's been uh, re, uh, redone and all that. And you can still uh, hear, like, you know, your normal stuff like footsteps and stuff like that. I mean, that's two homes right there back to back that got abandoned. That's crazy. I mean, you build a big old mansion, and then you just abandon it and leave it. I don't get it, man. It'd be cool to stumble across one of them houses, though, i tell you that much. All right, guys and girls. We're going to take one more commercial break before our last story, and then I'm going to bug on out of here. But we'll be back, Jack. Well, how's everybody doing today? It's your good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline, Texas Trash. The most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a spine, baby. Well, if you're wondering, what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about? And who is it, son, bitch, Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, babies. We're going to get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that, and we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around, and my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Boothville, Louisiana. And he calls sometimes. we have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Kona. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline, Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher. Pandora, iHeart, uh, I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dickie, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, babies. Because we, we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've whined and dined with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politics bullshit, <coughs> come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. I'm back. Well, our next story is the Kirkwood Manor, and it was known too as a uh, plantation back in the day. The Kirkwood Plantation is a four-story Greek rival house built between the eight built between eighteen fifty-seven and eighteen sixty. Foster Mark Kurs, Kirksey 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 Mark Kirksey a cotton merchant who also had land on the Black Warrior River commenced the uh, building in in uh, 1857 and it was finished in 1860 it is located in uh, Utah Utah Green County. Alabama along with about fifty other structures. Kirkwood is ex ex okay. Is extremely one of the anti what the fuck? Okay, let's go back and start all over, guys. It is located in Green County, Alabama, along with a- along with about fifty other and 50 other structures. Kirkwood is extremely one of the uh, biggest townhouses, a type of home very popular in Utah that typically belonged to those who were very wealthy and could afford a mansion on or near the plantation, as well as a home in the city. Kirkwood has passed through many hands, some professional and some not, and has served many uh, purposes from housing union soldiers during World War... or, pff, World War Three During the Civil War to a Southern uh, Bell's Bed and Breakfast and even as far as being transformed into a movie set. Mm, pretty interesting. Today, just... Today, just 30 short minutes from the University of Alabama, its late Greek Rava reveal home can still be seen as what it was when it was built. The main square in Utah is seemingly on the brick of becoming a ghost town, where you can see the outline of shop signs long ago. However, when Kursky and his wife Jane were looking for a place to call home, Utah was uh, full of life and culture. It served as a social sense for uh, parties, the perfect place for long walks and picnics, and it featured a number of private schools. On December 27th, in uh, 1852, Kursky purchased approximately 40 acres from Henry uh, the First Thornton for only one thousand dollars. Wow. Unfortunately, Jane would never get to call it home. She died as the construction began in 1857. Kursky gave everything he had into building what is now known as Curtwood. No, uh, no expense was too much. He even went as far as to have mantles covered, uh, mantles brought, carved in, it, in Italy, brought over. Kursky took uh, every detail into account so it must have been painful to have the final uh, touches f- never arrive. Green County settled in 1838 escaped the wrath of the uh, Civil War because boarding rivers protected it. Through the homes through the uh, homes survived the war its boarding river uh, its finished details and use of the home were greatly impacted just as the uh, home was almost complete union troops stopped as they stopped the last few deliveries of goods including uh oh including uh including guilted mirrors that's pretty fancy okay Gilted mirrors, crystal chandeliers from Paris, and a cast iron balcony railing. This would prove later to be yet another heartbreaking, uh, 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 side effect from the war. Kurskay remarried to uh, Margaret L- uh, Liston, and about twenty years later, their youngest daughter, who was uh convict or confined to a wheelchair rolled off the uh still ungraded balcony and fell to her death holy shit so that still railing that he had was going to have brought in from paris when the war started i guess that ship got sank or stopped and they took the took everything so if that rail was there she wouldn't have died but she was in a wheelchair and rolled could you imagine Oh, my God, that'd be a fucking hell of a way to go. That would suck. I would not want to go that way. Hell no. There was not the uh, only effect of the war that had the had the uh, house either. Union troop took command of Kirkwood. General Benjamin Carson's used the house as his headquarters, even sleeping in the Kurskys in uh, Margaret's bed and uh, turn the uh, parlor into an office to oversee the new loyal uh, oath to area landowners, who it is said to put up quite a fight against signing away their uh, land. So, I mean, once again, guys, right here in history, this will show you how dumb we are, or were back then. We were racist people, and it just goes to show you, we treated the slaves like shit, and we think it's okay to just take people's land. I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. I'm just trying. I'm just saying. You know what I mean, man? Remarkably, the mansion stayed in the uh, Kursky family until 1953 when Dr. Harold Ashby Kursky passed away. Harold was Harold was Foster's son who was given the house upon his father's death. In 1906, at the age of eight of uh, 89, both Foster and Harold were buried in the uh, cemetery in town. And in 1972, after the home was left unoccupied for quite some time, Roy and Mary Switcher of Fairfax County, Virginia, found Kirkwood and decided that after years of being uh, left Abandoned, it needed some uh, tender, loving care. They spent the next 19 years taking on a restoration and preservation project, spending the equivalent of what costs about $8 million today. God dang! Them people must have been loaded. One of the many things they added to the house was an upstairs balcony railing, which they made sure they was true to the period. So they got one like was supposed to be there. What was that? The Swartz did most of the work themselves. Oh, Oh, well. The Swayzes did most of the work themselves by learning from local experts. That's pretty cool. One expert who lent a helping hand was... Edward and Nixon, Ford and Carter uh, administra- administrations, Jones came to the uh, Swayze's uh, wanting to make sure the restorations kept the home uh, pretty much identical to what it was. Uh, while the home in the front lawn, seeking in the right place to shoot their new film, Jaws, of uh, uh, Jaws, of Satan, once filming, man this fucking thing jumps around. It went from that to now tell them about a movie they made there. Once filming was complete, the uh, two held helped restore Kirkwood to its glory days of painting and enter walls, recovering furniture varnished floors, and staining doors. On May in 1976, the Kirkwood Plantation was added to the National Historical Places based on Swayze's uh, renovation efforts. In 1982, Kirkwood was uh, renamed for the uh, Honor Award from the Historical Society. And Mary Swayze had no choice but to sell Kirkwood, once her husband passed away in 1987. Due to that, she could not properly care for the home herself. She sold it to a woman named Mary Valdez who ran the home as a bed and breakfast. It had six guest rooms with private baths and in 2001, Kirkwood passed once again Oh, passed on yet again to Okay, well, she passed away, and then it got passed on to Al and Dakey Blayton. They gave the uh, home exactly what it needed, uh, caring and hard work like the Swayzes did. The the Boltons were committed to keeping Kirkwood true to its time. They filled the home with... Art and art, uh, art and <clears throat> art and art collections with over five million dollars of stuff. The couple lived at the Kirkwood full time and welcomed visitors. And in two thousand nine, they sold the home to the uh, Norris. To they sold the home to Norris and Rebecca Sears. Oh Sears, they have the money. Again, most homes at least through the years. When uh, restorations go wrong or newer, bigger buildings needed to be put in the place. But Kirkwood has thrived. Hopefully, one day, Kirkwood Kirkwood will be open to students at the uh, public for tours and all that kind of crazy stuff. Now, we'll get into what people hear. It's weird. People that they say have died there, and I can't remember how many people died there, but they say there's every owner... You can see sometimes in the house, and you'll hear footsteps, and you'll be, I mean, in the middle of the night, you'll hear people whisper your name and stuff. It's uh, pretty creepy, man. So if you have a chance, go check that place out. It sounds like a cool little old house. Sorry for burping in the microphone there. Sorry if I'm jacking these stories up. Next week's will be a whole lot better, guys. Had some technical, technical difficulties this week. And I didn't get to do a whole lot of research, so. But I hope you like them stories. But I'm going to cover another state next week. And what I'm probably going to do is, instead of staying on one state for so fucking long, I'm going to go back to mixing it up. I'll do a couple from here, or countries, or whatever. You know what I mean, man? So, I hope you guys enjoyed it, though. And I hope you don't get too scared tonight when you go to bed. But remember, this has been... Ghost stories told from the south. And I am your host with the most, Stephen (laughs) Lebooth. I will see you later, guys. Have a goodin. Don't be too screepy. Screepy. I can't even talk. Have a goodin, guys. Don't be too scary.